Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. Hey, 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 my beautiful friends. I am stoked to be back with you today. And today I have my girl Missy Allred on with us. And you guys, she is going to bring all the fire today. I can just feel it already. She is a mama. She's got two cute little boys who are just tiny, tiny. There's a two-year-old and a one-year-old. She's busy. She's busy. She's busy. And it's good. But she has a degree in psychology. And she knew from the get-go that she really wanted to bless teenagers and be in their lives somehow, some way. But her life story hasn't played out like she thought it would. When does it ever, right? Like, can we just be real about that? And she has since become a life coach. And now she focuses a lot more on mindset, but she's still working with teenagers and working with moms of teenagers and helping them to just really grow in confidence. So I wanted to bring her on today to chat all about confidence, all about how we can help our teenagers, all how, how we can help our own mindsets, mindsets, the mindsets of our teenagers, whether we have one now or we're going to have one someday, like this is just going to be so freaking valuable. So Missy, welcome, welcome, my friend. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so glad we found each other on Instagram. And it was one of those, like, um, it took way too long to like coordinate getting together, but I'm so glad that she's here now. So it's going to be so great. So tell us, tell us all about you. Tell us everything we need to know. Everything we need to know. All right. Like Bryn said, I have two little kids and it's crazy and they're best little friends and they are so close together, but it's so fun. I love being their mama. Um, we are still renovating a house. We bought a house at the beginning of the year that was built in the 1940s. And so we're fixing it up, bringing it into the 21st century. It needed a little love. <laughs> so that keeps me busy on the side of everything. Um, I married my high school sweetheart, met him my very first day of high school, waited for him while he was on his mission, got married real fast. When you know, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, I work with teenagers and I absolutely love it so much. It's they've they've always been my people and it didn't, I'm not working with them the way that I thought I would, but working in, with them the way I need to. And it's been fabulous. I love that. So what is it that you love about teenagers? Mostly I'm trying to help 16 year old me. I wish I had a me when I was 16. <laughs> mm -hmm. I struggled a lot growing up. I had a lot of mental health issues and it was really hard and it's already hard to be a teenager, but that on top of it was just really difficult and a lot to take in and a lot to, to keep working through. And so I'm trying to be that resource. I really wish I had when I was a teenager and like, can you imagine if teenagers like were able to, to balance like their mindset and 
to be more confident, like how different would they be now? But how many moms have you talked to where, you know, in their twenties, thirties, forties, they're finally figuring out how to just love themselves and be confident in who they are and step into that. But what if you learned that when you were a teenager, like how different would your life be, be then and now having things go so differently that way? Oh yeah. I love that so much. And I can totally relate to what you said about loving teenagers for that reason. And I think if, if you take nothing else from this podcast, take that with you, because although we can't really, I mean, we're we're adults now, right? Like we can't really remember necessarily what it was like to be a teenager, but at the same time, yes, you can, you can remember the feelings you felt, the things that were hard for you, right. As a teenager. And as I've gotten to work with the youth in my church for like seven years, I've gotten to work with 16 and 17 year olds for two years and 14, 15 year olds for two years. And then the 12 and 13 year olds for two years. And then back with the 13 and 14 year old girls for, for another year. And it was, it's funny because that age that I've been with the most, that 13, 14, 15 phase was the area that I struggled the most. And honestly, that is where my passion and my heart was the biggest in serving in my church in that age group specifically, because exactly like Missy said, like I, that is when I needed the most love. That is when I needed the most help. That is when I needed somebody to tell me like it is and to really like love me, but be honest with me as well. And so I've just been so super passionate about that. And the more we can be grateful. We're not in their shoes anymore. Right. (laughs) But also put ourselves in their shoes and remember, yeah, I do remember that. And this is what I needed in that moment. And then be that for them. Cause I bet somebody was that for you. And if not, then exactly like Missy said, like, I I just want to be the person that I wish I had had. Right. I love that. I love that so much. Cool. So Keep telling us all the things, my friend, what's like your favorite things to share with your, your teenagers, your clients, your parents of clients, whatever. Favorite thing to share. Okay. So diving a little bit more into confidence. I, I've kind of developed like a three level confidence ball. I don't know what to call it. I think of it like a sphere where there's like three levels. Think of like the earth, you know, you're like the crust and it like keeps going down that kind of idea. Okay. So you have like this surface level confidence of confidence in, in your appearance, appearance, who you are, like just being able to look in the mirror and go, I love this person. And that is so important. And then there's this, there's this next level, this next level in, and this is confidence in, in your worth, knowing that you're that you're worthy of being loved, that you're just, you're human. That means you have worth. And that is so important to know that. And I think there can be a very spiritual level that comes into all of these, but especially with this one of knowing that God created you for a purpose and that he, he believes you have worth. And so you just do, and that's infinite and completely stable. You always have this worth. And so that's kind of this next level of confidence. And then there's this middle section. And that's what I really focus on with my clients, because if we can focus on this middle section, everything else kind of falls into place. So this middle one is confidence in your abilities. So it's, it's trusting in yourself because how many times, like 
really deep down, if you fail at something or, you know, fail in quotes, you know, like, do you really ever fail? You know, that's totally like a mindset thing. But when you fail, is it oftentimes it's because deep down, you don't really trust that you can do it. You have this, this deep down thought of, I like, I'm not capable. Maybe that's like, I've been trying to lose this 10 pounds for five years or whatever it is. And you totally are capable, but if you keep letting yourself down, if you don't follow through on things, you've now built up all this proof in your head of, oh, I don't follow through. Oh, I can't do this. And so that perpetuates it and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of, no, you can't. So I teach that confidence is everything is figure outable. It might take time. It might take a lot of time, but you can figure it out. And that might look different in a lot of different ways. So it's, it's everything is figure outable and I can do this. I'm competent and I trust in myself and my own abilities. And by focusing on that, if we can really get confidence, build that confidence up, those other levels just kind of come, but that, that middle section is a little bit easier to focus on because there's so much mindset work there. Uh, There is with the other ones too, but it's just a little bit easier to focus on on that one and have everything else just fall into place. I love that. I love that. And I want to like almost have like a back and forth, if you will. So I, I want to share something about my own abilities that has kind of like eh, weighed on my confidence a little, maybe you could like coach me through it and we can kind of like an example of what this might look like with, with other people or with their teenagers or whatever. So, so I have a very real passion for health and fitness, right? And I just recently became certified to teach high fitness, right? And I love it so much. Like it fills the like fitness bucket that I love. It brings out the dancer in me that like I grew up dancing. I love it. It brings out the teacher in me because I was a kindergarten teacher. Like it fills so many buckets that just bring me so much joy, right? And um but I'll be like completely real. Like there's been so many times where I just don't feel like I fit in because I, I'm also a beach body coach. Right. And like in the beach body world, like you're working out at home. Right. So I'm this beach body coach who really loves to go to the gym and work out with other people. Right. So I don't feel like I fit in, in the beach body world. And I don't feel like I fit in, in the high fitness world because I like both. Right. Uh-huh. And then when I was a high fitness participant, I didn't really feel like I fit in because I've been an instructor for 10 years now. And so I like, I know cues, I know form, I know how I have a lot of energy. That is definitely one of my strong points. Like I know how to go big. And so I would always get like the evil eye from like participants of like, why is that girl going so freaking hard? Right. Like calm the freak down. Right. And then now that I'm an instructor, I don't get the evil eye from participants anymore. Cause now they're like, Oh, she's an instructor. Like that's why she's going so big. But now I feel like I'm almost getting an evil eye from the other instructors that are like, calm the freak down, girlfriend. You don't need to be so big. You're making the rest of us look bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just like this. I feel to my core that it is like, no, this came into my life for a reason. I love it. It lights my soul on fire. But then it's like that awkward, like, 
is this one of my abilities? Because I just feel so much freaking tension around like, do I belong here? Because <laughs> I'm a beach body coach who loves high fitness, who loves the gym, who doesn't fit in with participants or instructors. So maybe I should just quit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. talk me through this. Okay. That's a lot. First of all, I love that you do high fitness. I love it too. Cause I dance growing up, dance yeah. growing up. And so it's totally brings that side out. I miss it. So, so it. fun. I love that. Um, okay. What if you're wrong? What if you actually do belong? What if they're not actually giving you the evil eye? Like, what is it that like, there's this underlying belief somewhere of, I don't fit in. And so this is where it's coming up. But what, what if you're wrong? Are you willing to be wrong? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't really like being wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like usually when we have this belief, there's something. So the, the way our brains work is they try and keep us safe. Okay. Think like we're going to go like all the way back to like cavemen. Okay. Kind of just think that for now where anything new was scary. You always had to be on your toes and aware of what was going on because if not like you're in trouble in some way. Right. And so, but our brain hasn't changed, even though the world around us has where new is scary and our brain goes, Whoa, slow down. What are you doing? Let's get out of here. This isn't safe because it's new. And so there's so much unknown that our brain goes, Nope, we're not going to go there. And so even if we're in a bad situation or not, not even bad, but like not ideal. Um, if we're trying to, to better ourselves, right. Like think, think like January 1st, right. We set this goal. We're going to go work out every day and we're going to eat all this really good food and we're going to journal or, you know, like this big old long list. And then, you know, in February, the gyms are empty and you're off your diet and you know, whatever <laughs> this happens because our brain goes, that is so much new. Okay. Nope. We, we, we don't want to do that. Even though your health may be suffering because of it, our brain goes, Nope, we know what's going on here. Even if it's not good, it's known. And so our brain says it's safe. So there's something here that is, is keeping you where, where you are because your brain says this is safe. Even though I really want to do this, that's unknown. It's scary over here. Okay. So what, there's something there that is going, nope, th this is safe. We're going to stay right here. Okay. So that's, what's happening in your brain right now. And so you have these thoughts of, I don't fit in here. I don't fit in there. I don't fit in over here either. And so you're, you're just stuck because your brain goes, okay, th this is safe. And going into this new realm of, of high fitness and having that coincide with all your other things going on. It's new because do you know anybody else who has had the beach body stuff and the high fitness stuff? It's new. Okay. And so it's scary. It's not bad necessarily, but our brain goes, nope, it's, it's unknown. It's scary. We're going to stay right here. Mm -hmm. So your brain's trying to keep you safe. And so you can sit there and go, thank you so much brain for keeping me safe. I really appreciate it, but I know what I'm doing. I got this. And let yourself be wrong. And like with other people too, like, are, are they really giving you the evil eye? Or is it like, man, I wish I had her energy. 
right? I feel like that would be me. We're like, I get like exhausted. I love the high fitness stuff, but I'm like, after a couple, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> and I would look at you and go, oh, I wish I had her energy, mm-hmm. you know? So you can't ever judge what other people are thinking either because you don't actually know. These are the thoughts that are in your head mm-hmm. and you're projecting them on someone else. So you're worried you're not fitting in. And so you're putting that thought onto somebody else. Does that make sense? Totally. Well, and like, even today, like uh, pretty much every class, someone is like, oh my gosh, you have so much energy. I wish I had your energy. Exactly what you just said. (laughs) So, and I, I, yeah, I tried to like, I, I realized that I noticed this was happening, um, before people were complimenting me on my energy. And And that's huge. Like that, that should be a win. Celebrate yeah. that of like, you can't ever change anything until you acknowledge it. Yeah. And so that's huge. Yeah. So I was recognizing that I thought people were receiving me that way. And I, I tried to intentionally like, well, okay, why, why could they be like, quote unquote, giving me the evil eye? Well, am I being kind to them? Like, or do they just think I'm this like untouchable? Wow. She has a lot of energy and she's kind of a brat. Like she doesn't even <laughs> talk to people. She's not even nice. You know what I mean? So I tried to really like come early and, and say hi to people, make at least one new friend in the class. And like, when we're like tired and when we're fit, we just finished a really hard song, like go around and give people high fives and like, Oh my gosh, you're amazing. What's your name? You know, type thing to just show people that like, no, I'm a really nice human and I have a lot of energy, but I'm not this like brat who just like, you know what I mean? So and I, do my thing. Yeah, I'm just going to do my thing and I'm going to judge all of you guys who can't keep up with me. Right. Like I don't want to be that person and I don't want to be perceived as that person either. And so the more I've tried to like make friends with those around me and give high fives and whatever, then the, the compliments have started to come of like, oh my gosh, you have so much energy. Right. Like, and anyways, so I feel like I actually was having a moment today as I drove home about, about this, about, and I was like in prayer, like, and my father, like, how do I, how do I fit in better in this, in this realm? And I just had that thought, how many times have I shared it on here? Right? Like people don't care about what, you know, until they know that you care. And so I might just be perceived as this really intimidating person because I do have a lot of confidence. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I might just be perceived as a really intimidating person, but what if I, what if I showed them how much I care about them and that I'm not just here to like, hi, look at me. I have a lot of energy and I'm new here and just look at me, look at me, look at me. But like, how can I serve you? How can I bless you? And how can I turn that to like, I freaking love you guys and I want you to love me back. So, you know, and just trying to, that was my like teaching moment from (laughs) our father in heaven today of like, okay, if you want them to love you, love them first yeah, and then, and then it will come. So, Hey, I, I love that because I think you're touching on some really important things where first of all, if your underlying belief is I don't fit in and you but you have the confidence to go and reach out to people. Like, isn't that how we fit in? It, it's anything we want. We have to actually like try for it. And even though it's really scary, like you're still, you're going out of your comfort zone and trying to, to get to that place where you want to be, but you're putting in the action to get there. And that is so important. And you obviously have the confidence in your ability to just go out and make new friends. And so this belief that I don't fit in, you're overcoming it over and over because 
you're going for it. And you have that confidence in your ability to do that. And then your point about making sure that other people are feeling comfortable and, and reaching out and creating that connection, knowing that they feel loved. I think that's really important too, because if somebody, so like, take me, like, like I said, where I would look at you and be like, man, I wish I had her energy. What are the thoughts that are starting to go through my head of, I don't have that energy. I can't have that energy. And all of a sudden that confidence drops because I'm comparing myself to you. And so I lose that confidence in my own abilities. And so then how do I show up when I have this thought of, I can never have her have her energy. My energy drops. I have less energy, right? Like automatically. And so I'm not showing up the way I want. And so I'm not getting the results that I want because of these thoughts that I have. And so you going out, I think is this, this is what we can start doing for other people, for our teenagers, for our kids, for our friends, for whatever is going out and knowing that they're loved and helping them find that proof of, look what you did. You got through this really hard song, high fives, high fives all around, you know, Mm -hmm. it's strengthening that connection in our brain of you can do this. You got through this. Look how capable you are. And it builds that confidence back up. And so you, you're that catalyst of being able to find that proof that people need that they are capable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. So transitioning back into like helping our, our teenagers, if we're moms of teenagers or our future teenagers instill that confidence in their own abilities, like how do you help them see them, embrace them? How do you help them gain that? Um, I think initially it has to start with you and our brains work the same way as teenagers, as far as like what, what we just talked about with our brain tries to keep us safe and finding the connections and the brain proof and everything like that. Teenage brains work the same way, but they have these, all these extra hormones, their brains aren't as developed. And so it's a lot harder for them to find that proof of, of being capable. Right. And so starting with ourselves, finding it for ourselves, but then being able to go to our teens and be like, look at all you did. So this is like one of my very favorite tools is this brain proof. I have brain proof wall. I have lists on my phone. Like this is like what I do to really help instill new thoughts and change my mindset about things is finding proof that, that I am already the person that I want to be. So let's, let's take like a teenage example of, of homework. Okay. That would be really applicable, right? Mm -hmm. So if a teen is thinking I am terrible at school, then their brain starts to find every bit of evidence that proves that thought true, which then solidifies that thought as a belief in their head. And then their brain finds more proof of that. And then it's just like this endless cycle. Okay. If we can start changing that, if we can start finding the proof and help them find the proof of, look at all these times you were good at school, then their brain starts finding that because there's so much information coming into our brain at all times, right? Think about all the sounds, all the smells, all the sight, all all the things we see, (laughs) you know, all, all these different stimuli that are constantly bombarding us. Our brain has to filter out what's important. 
And it does that based off, off our thoughts. So if, if our team believes they're bad at school, then that's all they're going to find because they're telling their brain that that's all, all that is important. So if we can start changing that and rewire our brain to say, okay, it's important to find all, all the stimuli that tell us that you are good at school, then our brain starts finding that. Okay, the same thing works with us. So if we can start practicing on ourselves and then teach our teens that, but ultimately they have to do it because we could start having this huge old list of look at all these things that you're great at, but our team doesn't do it. They're not rewiring their brains. We're rewiring ours. And that's great. And that helps us see our teen in a really different light or our kid or our spouse or whatever it is, right? This works for anything that will help us, but it ultimately has to be them. But we can start being that catalyst of, just pointing it out of, look how well you did on that test. You pushed through and studied. And I know that was a really hard test for you. And look at the result you got. And just start finding those instances where they did push through. They did figure it out. And not necessarily necessarily just the, you're just really good at this subject. Like that's great too. But finding those areas where they did have to work for it. Because then it solidifies overall that everything is figure outable and it builds that confidence overall and that can carry into other other subjects into other parts of their life with friends with extracurriculars with whatever it is it builds on each other no i love that so much and it reminds me i have actually heard of this concept of like the book of proof and it's so easy to like these are my goals and this is my vision for my life. And this is what I want. And this is what I need. And this is what I hope for. Right. Um, and then not congratulate ourselves for like the things that we have done well. Right. Yeah. How are you already that person yes. right now? And how, like you're talking about finding that proof of like, I want to be good at school. You wouldn't be having that thought, right? Of like, oh gosh, I'm terrible at school. If you didn't have even some desire in your heart to be good at it, right? Yeah. So to find that proof. And um, so maybe just a a tangible idea, both for us as, as parents and to encourage our kids, right? Is to just have that proof. And I literally have a journal that is, it's my book of proof. And it's just like a, I don't even know. I think I got it at Target. It's got flowers on it, right? It's just lined paper with flowers on it, right? And it's it's just my book of proof that every day I like, it's my to-da list. Instead of my to-do list, it's my to-da. Like I did it. Ta-da! <laughs> right? Like, Yeah. Like here are the things that I accomplished today. Do I still have things that I needed or wanted to get done? Yes, I do. But look at what I did do today. Look how I made progress. And sure, there's still a ton of dishes in my sink. I didn't get my house cleaned. I forgot to go do this errand that I've been needing to do for a couple days, but me and my kid... But me and my kids had this rockin' connection today and we went to the library and I was on time for carpooling and I worked out today and I got ready and showered for once. And I, you know what I mean? Like yes, finding those ways of, and I think our teenagers and our kids, no matter how old they are, the more we practice it ourselves, the more they will learn it too. Yeah. And right. Cause they they will do what we do, not what we say. 
right? Yeah. And even when we don't think, especially teenagers are watching, they are. They totally are. They really, really are. Yeah. And that like body image and that confidence and that worth and whatever, like if you're noticing that your teen or your child is struggling with that, I, I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard thing, but like, I invite you to look in the mirror <laughs> and are you yourself struggling with those three layers of confidence? Like she said, are you struggling with your appearance? Are you struggling with your worth? Are you struggling with your own abilities? And if you are, chances are your kiddos probably are too. Yeah, and the more you try to work on that as a parent, the more your kiddos will, will thrive. And yeah. I saw this just the other day, actually, that like my daughter, I adore her. <laughs> She's so cute. And we are huge, like affirmation people. Right. Um, and so she's her whole life. I don't think she probably ever remembers a time where she didn't look at herself in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. Right. And so now like she's three and I will overhear her all the time. I am so beautiful. Right. <laughs> It is so cute. It is so cute. And I was doing my, one of my niece's hair the other day. And I, I told her like, cause this is what I tell my own daughter to just look in the mirror and tell yourself you're beautiful. And sometimes I say it when their hair is done. Sometimes I say it when it's still a rat's nest and it looks terrible. Right. Sometimes Ooh, I, I say that. it like, and it doesn't always have to be my hair is done. I am beautiful. Sometimes it's a, I look crazy, but I'm still beautiful. Right. And so I just have a habit of doing this with my own daughter and even my baby, she's 18 months old, but I still, she can't talk, but I just tell her like, Ellie, look how beautiful you look. Let's go show dad and brother, how beautiful you look. And she's just like, it is innate in females, especially to want to be told that they are beautiful. Yeah. Like, my baby is proof of that. Holy cazoli. Cause she will like twirl and she'll smile. <laughs> right. Like anytime you tell her, Oh, Ellie, you look so beautiful. Right. So I was encouraging my niece the other day when I was doing her hair, like tell yourself you look so beautiful. And she like, it was one of those like turtle moments almost yeah. he's she's only two right but she like her shoulders went up her head went down and she was like no and I was like what like girlfriend you're beautiful say you're beautiful right and she like no right and so I think the more we can just see our own beauty inside outside and really instill that in in others it's and especially our our girls <laughs> it's really powerful so yeah and doing that with your younger kids too like you were saying like how is your daughter going to to be thinking when she gets to her teenage years because you've instilled that in her and probably she'll still struggle because she's a teenager and it's just hard like put yourself back there man I you could not pay me enough but how much more equipped is she going to be going through that because you've instilled that within her because you have have modeled that for her right mm -hmm. um one of the other things you touched on oh so good is this all or nothing thinking where you're you were talking about oh, I did this and this and this. Oh, but I still have all these dishes, but I still did all these other things. So often we go to this, this side of there's still 10 things on my to-do list. Yeah. Maybe I did get 15 done, but there's still 10, right? So wasn't a productive day because I should have got, no, like <laughs> if somebody else did that, 
but it's the same thing with so many other things. Maybe it's practicing the piano or doing your reading for the day for, you know, for your kids homework of they're supposed to practice for 30 minutes and they only did 15. Therefore they failed. And it was all for nothing. Like, no, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. But we do that with so many other things where our dishes aren't done, but we did this entire list of all these things and we spent time with our kids and, oh, but I, I really wanted to do this with my kids, but I only spent this 10 minutes and like that, that wasn't enough. Like, no, that was still really intentional time with your kids, but we go to this all or nothing all the time. And so we do need to take a step back and go look at the, what I did do. And yeah, there still might be this other stuff, but we, we focus solely on everything we didn't get done, everything we didn't complete all this, this negative side. And there, there's balance, there's both. And so often we just go to this, to this other side and we completely forget all the positive, all the good, everything that, everything that, that did go right. And we don't, we don't let that, we don't celebrate that, right? You're, you're to does. I love that so much, mm-hmm. but instilling that in our kids and in our teenagers, especially too, of you didn't get a hundred percent on the test, but you got a 95, like let that be enough, right? Of you worked for this and you still let, let there be celebrations in all the little things and don't let the all or nothing thinking creep in because it, it takes over and it, it sets us up to fail. It really does because it, it creates that brain proof of, I didn't do enough. And it breaks that confidence down more and more. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. And it reminded me of, I went to this camp as a teenager and it was like an emotional, um, I don't even know the right words, an emotional camp, but it's like an emotional intelligence camp to like help you learn uh, that, you know, fear, anger, hurt, regret, you know, all these different emotions that we feel and to recognize them for what they are and embrace them and, and tools to work through them. Right. And it was very powerful. It was very powerful. And honestly, like, I don't think I talk about it enough because it really shaped who I am. Um, in a lot of ways, but one of the like mantras we had was to like, just say mistakes, mistakes, mistakes while we're like jumping up and like cheering for our mistakes. Right. And there's a book called failing forward by John C. Maxwell. And, um, you referenced it basically earlier, Missy about just, do we really ever fail? Right. And it's honestly, in my personal opinion, and from what I've learned about failure, failure is a choice. If we, if we fail, if we do not succeed at something we had hoped for, we then get to choose. Am I going to take that failure, learn from it and continue to grow and progress? Or am I going to take that failure and decide this must not be for me? And that brain proof, right? Of, okay, then I guess I should just quit. Or, okay, let me learn from this and let me continue forward on my path. And I learned something now and I can continue, right? And I think really, really getting good at our own selves and teaching our children. Woo, you made a mistake. Good job. What did you learn from it, right? And going forward with that instead of like, you made a mistake, you're in trouble you're punished, 
you whatever like you got to see on your report card you're grounded for a year right like, and well i don't i don't know but looking at those types of things that might be considered failure and instead where is the teaching moment in this where is the learning moment in this and really seeking for it and using that as a catalyst to just launch you forward instead of as an excuse or a reason why you just must so yeah, we either get the result that we wanted or the lesson that we needed mm-hmm. and there can it doesn't have to be failure it can be a lesson and i think another thing you touched on that is so important is feeling negative emotions and that they're not bad. That's just a thought we put on them. And learning to, to lean into those emotions and feel them and let that be okay and not push them down is so important. Oh my gosh, it's so important. You know, with with my toddlers, I they fall down and I I try not to say like, oh, don't cry, it's okay. Like that that really hurt, didn't it? You know, I try to say that instead of like, let them be hurt. That's okay. And that's their, their natural reaction is to cry. And then they can be like, oh, it's okay. And then they can get up and go play again. But the, the same thing with us of, of disappointment, lean into the disappointment. It's okay to feel that. We, we don't want to show those emotions down because they, they build up. We don't want them to build up mm-hmm. because then, then they explode in really unhealthy ways, right? How many, how many negative emotions did we feel as teenagers? Do we feel as adults? And if we had learned to regulate our emotions, to feel and let, let them go through our bodies and then pass, we're able to move forward so much quicker. We may not have had so much like teenage angst and just all, all the emotions that just feel like they were always there as a teenager. Like there could have been so much, I could have felt so much more joy and peace and just calm as a teenager maybe if I hadn't if I just let let myself feel the negative emotions that I didn't want to experience or not comfortable to experience but that doesn't make them bad amen I love that and I actually have a podcast episode all about I think it's called grace with big emotions um that's that leans more into I could talk about emotional intelligence all day long right? oh, I, love this stuff. I love this stuff so much <clears throat> but Yes. I, I love that. I love that thought. I want to share this really quick. This was actually shared with me. Um, just this last Sunday, um, they had a fireside about like dear mom and dad, and there was 40 parenting tips from teenagers. Um, and it was like this, I'll just read this article because it was amazing. I don't have teenagers, like I said, but I will one day. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to remember this. I need to save this link. I need to save this article. I need to, I need to save this. So here you go. Here's one way that we'll save this. It'll be here forever. Perfect. This is by, this is by Chad Conrad. Um, and he is a seminary teacher, which for those of you who are not the same religion as me, seminary just means um, it's like a church education class, right? For teenagers. So he says, over the past 20 years as a seminary teacher, I've asked hundreds of my students, what advice would you give your parents on parenting? Their responses fascinated and inspired me so much so that I started asking their parents the same question, only in reverse. What advice would you give your teenage children? The most frequent responses over the years are listed on the following pages. So the the first one there's a couple of categories. Okay. And so the first category of advice is 
communication and building trust. Number one, and this is from the perspective of teenagers first. Number one, trust us. If we lose your trust, make us earn it back. Two, don't always say because I said so. Explain your decisions to us if you can. Three, don't yell at us or overreact and don't let us yell at you. Number four, be willing to negotiate with us sometimes. Number five, if we admit our mess ups to you first, don't be mad at us. Recognize our desires to change. Six, admit when you're wrong. Seven, talk with us and listen sincerely to our ideas. Eight, be sure your expectations for us are clear. Sometimes we mess up because we genuinely don't understand what you want from us. Nine, instead of grounding us all the time, let us suffer more natural consequences. 10, give us second chances. 11, more praise, less criticism. 12, be our friends sometimes and just listen to us. 13, really try to understand our side of the story before you judge us or punish us. 14, apologize when you mess up. 15, have high standards and expectations, but don't force us to become something you want us to be. And then this section was about learning and living the gospel. 16, practice what you preach or we'll be less likely to follow you. 17, go to the temple more. It puts you in a better mood. <laughs> I thought that one was funny. <laughs> 18, teach us the gospel, then let us make our own choices. 19, have family prayer and scripture study. 20, take us to church with you. But if we don't want to go, find out why. Oh, I, I love that. I loved that one. 21, talk to us about morality and intimacy more than once. If you don't, we'll get answers elsewhere. I love that one too. 22, have faith in us. The next one is family unity. 23, treat all the children in the family fairly. If you treat one child differently from another, be certain we understand why. 24, be happy. 25, support our ball games and performances and activities. 26, limit our screen time. 27, don't embarrass us around friends. 28, respect our privacy. 29, have family meals together. 30, don't try to be cool, just be yourself. That's what we need and who we love. 31, have fun family nights and family activities. Play with us. 32, tell us goofy stories about your life so we know you were a kid once. There's two more sections. This one is life skills, school, and work. 33, don't work too much. 34, teach us how to work, but don't overdo it. Teach us life skills like doing our own laundry and cooking dinner. Teach us to serve. 36, help us with homework and encourage good grades, but don't overdo it. 37, teach us to be self-reliant and how to manage money. 38, pay us sometimes for babysitting or extra chores. And then the last section was health and lifestyle. 39, encourage us to be physically active. 40, help us get more sleep and eat better. And I love that. I love that so much. And then the, the ones about the from the parenting to the teenager was really, really good and insightful too. So this is the ones from parent to child. And it really, honestly, it was very helpful for me because I don't have teenagers yet, but it was really eye-opening and insightful to like, okay, this is what I can look forward to. Right. And the things we'll start that, now. yeah, the, the things that might be a struggle for us and whatever in the future. So again, communication and building trust was first be trustworthy and we will trust you to believe us. Your well-being is of utmost importance to us. 
Three, be patient with us. Parents are people too, and we make lots of mistakes. Four, remember that although being a teenager can be stressful, you won't be one forever. Five, talk to us about your life. We really do care about what's going on. Six, sometimes the kindest thing we can do is tell you no. Seven, being an adult really is a lot harder than you think. Eight, tell us thank you and I love you. We need your approval just as you need ours. Nine, please hug us and let us hug you. 10, we ask you to put your phone away because we like you and want to interact with you. Learn to unplug and be present. 11, own up to your mistakes. It shows maturity. Don't blame others. 12, swearing shows weakness, not strength. 13, when we call for you, please say I'm coming and then actually come. Don't make us call multiple times. 14, tell us when you mess up before we have to catch you. We won't feel as much need to punish you if we know you're trying to make things right. 15, choose friends who help you want to be a better person. Let us get to know them. 16, check in with us. Let us know where you are and who you are with. Then we'll trust you more. 17, try asking us questions instead of the internet once in a while. We know and love you better than Google does. I love that one. <laughs> this one's learning and living the gospel. Get to know Heavenly Father through prayer and scripture study every day. He's the real parent. He knows you even better than we do, and he won't let you down. 19, believe that with the Lord's help, you can do hard things. 20, meditate and listen to good music. 21, the more you serve, the happier you are. 22, sit by people who are lonely and be friendly, and you will always have friends. And I think that goes kind of with what I was saying about all the high fitness stuff. Like yeah. the more I, the more I try to ex exert myself, right. The more friends I have, cause I'm putting that effort out. Right. 23, go to the temple with your friends and siblings go with us too. 24, don't care about what people in the world think about you only care about what the Lord thinks of you. You're going to make lots of mistakes, but remember that Christ paid the price for you. So you're going to make it. If you turn to him family unity, Laugh at yourself sometimes. We all do stupid stuff. 27, go on lots of dates with lots of different people, but don't let yourself get hooked on one person. Teen romance complicates and confuses everything. 28, treat your siblings like friends, even if you think they don't always deserve it. 29, enjoy your friends, but make time for family. 30, don't compare our family with your friends' families. We do things differently and try our best. If you have ideas for how our family can improve, share them. Life, skills, school, and work. 31, learn to work really hard and then take time to relax now and then. 32, dream big. God gave you great talents, so have great expectations of yourself. Write down your goals, then get to work. 33, do your chores without being asked. We'll see that you're responsible and give you more privileges and we won't have to nag you. 34, phones and other devices are a privilege, not a right. Clean up after yourself. You are almost an adult and it's time to take responsibility for yourself. That was 35. 36, remember that the internet is forever. 37, and I think what I was like, what, what does that one mean? The internet is forever. I think it means more like what you post on there is uh never gonna be like yeah down like it, if you put it out there it's there right so just being cautious and careful about what you're sharing on the internet 
Number 37, do your best in school. Bad grades don't bother us so much if we know you are really trying. 38, don't text and drive or let us do it either. Health and lifestyle. 39, what you eat and how physically active you are now will affect your health for the rest of your life. 40, get the right amount of sleep every night. Sleeping for 15 hours on the weekend is as bad as five hours on a weeknight. So I loved that. I love that article. And I just felt like that was so, so powerful from both perspectives, right? Of the things, the communication that needs to be had, the things that are important, both to parent and child. And so I thought that was a very valuable resource. Yeah. And I, I thought it was really interesting because I feel like a lot of the ones that at least stood out to me on both sides were, please just be more vulnerable mm-hmm. and let us see your mistakes. Be open with your mistakes, apologize and like say when you've done something wrong, mm-hmm. right? And just, just be open and vulnerable. And that, that came both ways. And so mm-hmm. I think that's really important to know of parents, show your kids that it's okay to mess up. And that goes for any age, mm-hmm. right? That you're not perfect and let, let them see that and be okay with that. Because again, it's feeling and showing those negative emotions and letting that be okay. Because then your kids see that it's okay to fess up when something doesn't go the way that you expected it to, or when you don't show up the way that you, that you really want to, and that's okay. And you acknowledge it and move on and do better next time. And then they see that it's okay to mess up and it's okay to admit when you're wrong. And it's okay to, to feel bad about things and to feel the negativity. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And I totally agree that that was the underlying message. And it reminded me of, there's a book called Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. It's it's so good, right? And I mega, mega suggest it for like parenting and vulnerability, especially if that's something that you struggle with or even just want to learn more about it. I, I don't necessarily feel like I quote unquote struggle being vulnerable with my kids. But that, that book was very eye-opening to me of like the kinds of conversations to have. Yeah. And <clears throat> And even just that like concept and idea of like, talk with us about physical intimacy and do it more than once or else we'll find answers elsewhere. Right. Like, and I'll, I'll be completely honest. Like I'll keep it obviously like G rated, but me and my kids have had conversations about sex and my son is five and my daughter is three. (laughs) And we have talked about where babies come from and we have used anatomical words and like, we have not even like sugarcoated it or anything like, and we've talked about like sex is actually really, really good. Cause in our religion, sometimes we like, we, we try to abstain from sex until you're married and, and yes. And I remember like when I was finally getting to that point of like, okay, I'm about to get married, but like me and my friend called sex, the dirty, like we called it the dirty. (laughs) And I was like, honestly terrified because I've been taught all my life in my religion to like, no, sex is bad. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. Right. And, but now all of a sudden it's good. Like I'm so confused. Right. I, and, yes. <laughs> I and, totally feel the same way. Yes. And I think a lot of people are same religion can relate. And so where we're having this conversation around teenagers, I do feel like it's very important to help our, our children, our teenagers to understand, especially if you're religious or whatever, sex is not bad. It is beautiful and it is amazing and it is appropriate in the right 
time and in the right place and with the right person. Right. And, and I really don't think, I mean, granted, I have a degree in early childhood education. I am very familiar with like how they learn and what they know and what they're capable of and all the things. But I really believe like if your heart is in the right place and you're just trying to teach, you don't have to have a degree in early childhood education to know what a child is capable of learning, right? Like you can just have these conversations with them. And I remember a very powerful commercial where it was like this mom who's like having a heart to heart about like drugs and alcohol and like whatever. And it like zooms out and it's like this baby in their high chair, right? <laughs> like, and the, the like catch phrase or whatever was like, it's never too early to start having important conversations. And that like commercial. Starting those conversations, I yes. think it's so important because because if you're not the one bringing it up, especially as they're younger, even if you're open to talking about the hard things, the uncomfortable things, if you haven't started those conversations at your teen or your child at whatever age, probably isn't going to feel comfortable coming to you because it's not something you've talked about. So if you're the one initiating those hard conversations over and over and over again, that when they do have questions, they will feel comfortable coming to you because you've already had discussions and it hasn't just been them having to go out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's so innate in us to like, I'll tell you when you're older. 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 And that's like, just becomes our automatic response. But then like, the, the age for children to be exposed to sex and stuff is like eight years old now that like, it's, it's crazy. Right. But it's like, okay. So when is old enough for them to really understand? And like that article said, like, if you don't teach me about it, I will learn it from other sources and it's probably not what you want me to learn. Right. And so even just, I mean, this is kind of going off on a different tangent, but I feel like it's the same kind of concept. Like if it's in potty training. It's this book that I really love, but she talks about like, if your kid is having a hard time going poop, like is poop a weird thing at your house? Like, do you poop in front of your kids? And I know that sounds weird, but like, do you have the like vulnerability to be able to poop in front of your family? Because if, if you don't poop in front of them, they're going to think it's weird to poop in front of you. And they're going to have a really hard time learning how to poop. Right. Cause they've never seen it done. Right. And I know that's like a different, a different tangent, but I feel like it all, it all connects, right? Like in those moments of vulnerability, we have to be willing to put ourselves in a place that's kind of awkward and kind of like, I literally don't even know how to have this conversation, or I don't know how to share this effectively, or I don't know how to respond to this, but I'm just going to do my best. (laughs) I'm going to do my best. Instead of avoiding the negative emotions that you don't want to experience. Yes, exactly. And then it, and then it bleeds into everything of like, okay, my kid can poop in front of me. Okay. My kid has started their period and they feel comfortable talking to me about it because they've seen me (laughs) have periods before my kid is starting to have these weird hormones and emotions. And they've, you know, like they, they're comfortable coming to me and talking to me about it because we've had these conversations because you have Yes. in a way that is developmentally appropriate for them. And that's why you keep having those conversations is because you're not going to talk about sex the same way to an eight-year-old as you are to your Mm 16-year-old, but there needs to be conversations all throughout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Daring Greatly, that was a random tangent, but go read Daring Greatly. (laughs) It's a really good book. (laughs) But anyways, no, I love this so, so, so much. Okay. So before we wrap it up, my friend, anything you want to leave with us about how we can 
you know, improve ourselves, our confidence, our teenagers' confidence, all the things. Just start, just start, start with one small thing. Don't overwhelm your brain, but thank your brain for keeping you safe. Start with one little thing. Can you start just keeping a journal or something of, of brain proof? Can you just start pointing that out to your kid? But start, start with you. It has to start with you. Your kid is watching so much more than you think they do and start with them young. It's not just with teenagers, right? This totally goes for all ages with all different relationships, but start with one little thing and just lean into it and don't be afraid to be uncomfortable. Hmm. All the yes, all the feels, <laughs> all the yes. I love this so much. So, and the only extra thing that I want to add in addition to this is really truly that concept of people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. It has always been my favorite quote of all times. It will forever remain my favorite quote of all times. And I really think that especially with teenagers, they don't care how much you know. They don't care that you know better than them. And because I said so and all the whatever, unless they know how much you care. And yeah. I think that goes back to like love languages and really knowing how to communicate how much you love them in a way that they actually understand. Yeah. Right. And not just feeling that love and keeping it to yourself, but putting yourself in that vulnerable place of communicating in a way that they understand, AKA love languages, right. That you really, really, really do care about them. Yeah. And then, if you're not willing to be vulnerable, they probably aren't either. Yep. Amen. So, oh, this was so good. Okay. All my friends out there who are listening, thank you for hanging out with us. Whether your kiddo is two, 10, 12, or 20, like I hope you gleaned so much from this because I know I did. Okay. So if people want to find you, where do they go to find you? Um, I'm mostly on Instagram, on Facebook sometimes, but I'm at the Missy Allred everywhere. Cool. And I can totally remember that too. That's like your name always, my name. <laughs> but I love that. It's the, the Missy Allred. I'm like, there's only, I love it. <laughs> it exudes confidence. I love it. Okay. And it's just, yeah. M I S S Y Allred A L L R E D. Cool. Yeah. Just like it sounds cool. All red. I love it. I love it. So go start keeping that book of proof, that brain proof, Go get you a flower journal from Target and start writing down all the reasons you're freaking awesome and, and really try to reflect on your own confidence levels on all three of those levels, right? Your appearance, your worth, your abilities, and do the hard work, do the heart work to do what it takes to have your own confidence so that it can bleed into the lives of your children, your teenagers, the people in your life. Cool. Okay. I freaking love you. I'll see you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. 
Remember, the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace. Thank you.